This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Impact Books. Today we are going over none other than Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel. Jamie Wheel was a guest on Impact Theory it was amazing. I had such a good time with him. And reading this book, I really liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And by the way, this is going to be the first piece of content we ever do where I just shamelessly um, use notes. This is a new format that we're doing for the book reviews. Uh, and I think you're going to like it a lot better. Uh, so I'm basically going to be free-flowing, going through my notes. Uh, but I will be looking at it a lot, which normally I pride myself on not. Uh, but to not have to memorize this, because we used to do them based on the, um, I was just reading off a teleprompter. I'm not going to be doing that. It's going to be free flow, but I am going to hold notes, so forgive me. All right, like I was saying, this book really surprised me, and I liked it a lot more um, than I thought I was going to, because they really go into the science. And the one thing that I feared in all of this, that the this notion that they call in the book ecstasis, which is going back to the ancient Greek word for ecstasy, which means to literally step beyond or step outside of oneself. And the reason that they went back to the ancient Greek word is because ecstasy has been co-opted uh, by the uh, drug scene. And they really wanted people to understand that it's a lot more than that. And so going into the book, I didn't know, like, how much is this going to be about just psychedelics? How much of this is going to be about accessing flow? How much of this is going to be about science? And they really, really did an amazing job of making this book incredibly interesting. It really is a page turner. I found myself just going through it um, because I was having a great time. Originally, I had picked it up because I knew that I needed to read it uh, for the interview that I was doing with Jamie. And in the end, I just really, really got into the scientific approach they took to this. All right, so just to get into the book itself, the book really is about the revolution that's happening right now um, that is what they call ecstatic technologies, and they break it into three camps. And the three camps of ecstatic technologies are meditation, flow, and psychedelics. And I'll get into each of them more a little bit later, but they wrap all of these three things into what they call non-ordinary states of consciousness. And they said this really is is the way that we go beyond ourselves and dissolve the ego. And that notion of dissolving the ego is something that is really central to the book. And Jamie, in the interview that I did with him, really talked about, you know, no matter what path you're using, it's really people trying to get to the same place. And that place can be seen on brain scans. That place can be really understood in terms of what parts of the brain are turned on and what parts of the brain are turned off. And I found that really really intriguing, this notion that simply by knocking out areas of the brain, and that's the fascinating part, like as you go into what really takes people into a state of flow, it really is about turning things off. It's not so much about turning things 
on. And I found that really, really interesting. And we'll get into it later when they, they talk about one of the studies that was done where they take um, Franciscan nuns and um, I think it was Buddhist monks. I, I have notes on it. but um, And they put them in an fMRI machine while they're in a deep state of meditation. And the parts of the brain that turn off are utterly fascinating. All right, I won't go too deeply into that now, but know that that's coming and you're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, okay, so this notion of a non-ordinary state of consciousness is determined um, or defined, I should say, by what they call STIR, S-T-E-R. And what that stands for is selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, and richness. And to just to go through them a little bit more in detail, so selflessness, uh, certain regions of the brain that are responsible for the inner critic, uh, what Jamie refers to as your inner, inner Woody Allen, that neurotic that's constantly telling you that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not capable, um, all the negative things that it says to keep you safe and uh, warm and cuddly in the embrace of the society or not being eaten by the lion. Those areas of the brain that are responsible for that really begin to shut down as you get into uh, one of these non-ordinary states of consciousness. And so there is a real um, freedom that comes with not having what I'll call the internal heckler. Uh, so that's nice. Uh, timelessness, our internal chronometer is knocked out. It's one of the things that gets shut down. And so time can at times um, seem to slow down and at times really speed up and it's our total Inability to accurately perceive time is one of the hallmarks of being in these non-ordinary states of consciousness. The effortlessness is, is I think, pretty self-explanatory. Um, you're not having to push or grind or tap into grit and discipline. It really is a moment where um, everything just feels right. And that is one of the, um, the, the hallmarks of this. And then the last one is richness. And it's what um, Jamie Wheel says is basically the whole kit and caboodle. This is the reason that people are trying to get into um, non-ordinary near states of consciousness, the reason we're trying to get in flow, the reason meditation is so powerful, the reason that psychedelics is really raising its hand and saying that it may be a shortcut um, to these uh, states of mind is that um, it's what Jimmy calls big data for the mind, which I found really, really interesting. And um, it, the reason that he calls it that, and, and this is, uh, I, think, I think I have a note on this later where we go into a little bit more detail, but the notion is that the subconscious is much faster and vaster, as Jamie Wheel says, in terms of its ability to process data, it can process a lot more. Like if consciousness, high-level consciousness, and this is what they refer to it in the book, is sort of the high-level um, headlines of what's going on in your life. And usually the conscious mind is the last to know. So it's high level highlights of what has already happened uh, and not even necessarily what's happening right now in real time. The subconscious compared to that is able to take in just a lot, lot more information and it's able to process it a lot faster. And it's that's what gives these experiences these the, the sense of richness where you just almost can't believe that your mind is bringing all of this experience to life in such a vivid and um, enthralling way. So an example that they, um, I think they, I'm almost certain they talk about in the book, he definitely has talked about it in a lot of interviews, is surfing. And the way that surfing or skiing or other extreme sports really, because of that dilation of time and you're able to just see and perceive all these things happening. And Michael Jordan used to talk a lot about that, uh, you know, in, in reference to being in the zone. He said, things just slow down and everything is moving in slow motion for me. And, you know, obviously with my obsession with the matrix, I always think of bullet time and how 
it's you're really able to move just a little bit faster than uh, the world even as it's whizzing by. And so that richness is what makes these states of consciousness so addictive is it, it really is teleporting you into another way to experience the world around you uh, that's hypersensitive, that is um, richer and more beautiful and more amazing. And you're just able to experience more because you're getting away from that inner critic, right? The selflessness and you're transcending really into the realm of where you're sort of experientially aware of um, the subconscious in a way that you're not normally. And they go into the science and all that. It's something that I think, man, it was that's where the book really like put its hooks into me was explaining that and giving me words to understand why those moments are so profound and so interesting. And they give you the science behind it. And it's just, oh man, it, it really is uh, phenomenal. And one of the things, and this also came out early in the book, and it really got me thinking about what's going on here. So they refer to these non-ordinary states of consciousness as being the... Um, uh, a, a, it's a $4 trillion economy altering your own brain chemistry. And Jamie has this awesome analogy. He says, we watch porn to get high, not to get laid. And he said, think about it from an evolutionary perspective. You're, if you win at pornography, like you're not passing on your genes in any way, shape or form. So from an evolutionary perspective, it, it serves absolutely no purpose. But the chemical reward that is associated with that um, that experience, you know, y you literally go into a non-ordinary state of consciousness, uh, selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, richness. It's, it, it, is, it is a rush of neurochemistry. I mean, that's really the name of the game. So whether it's cigarettes and illicit drugs or pornography and extreme sports, it's it's taking over your brain chemistry. It's hijacking it. And they go into not only all the places that we're doing that, not only the science behind what's going on, but they talk about some of the most interesting applications for this and some of the companies and um, governmental agencies that really are spending a lot, a lot of money on this. And one of the organizations they talk about are the Navy SEALs and how for them group flow is the most interesting thing for success, which you know for them success is really about survival, and uh, it's, they they have some incredible stories about that, and it's almost worth reading the book just for that. Uh, and also talk about how in Silicon Valley there's so much going on, uh, especially in the realm of psychedelics and how people are microdosing. And if you're not familiar with microdosing, microdosing is basically taking a very low amount of a psychedelic so that you don't feel like you're on drugs. This is how it's been explained to me. You don't feel like you're on drugs, but you still get some of the creative connections. Um, and, and they give some examples in the book about uh, inventions and things that have come out where the inventor specifically credits um, microdosing or full-blown psychedelic experiences to being able to make these just incredibly interesting um, leaps. So really, really fascinating and just insane like how much money we spend on the altered states uh, economy as as uh, Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel call it. Um, okay, so these guys are talking about ecstasis um, as that information technology, as a concept of big data, um, and really looking at like, where does this go in the future? And what are the ways that we're going to be able to more easily slide into this? And, and they make some, um, or they go down some really interesting paths and looking at companies that are um, doing some very interesting things in the world of 
um, those technologies and they detail them in the book. And, and it was something I took some notes on here. In fact, I'll just read you guys exactly what I wrote. Um, I said, okay, they call it big data for the mind. The reason um, they say that is because being in a non-ordinary state of consciousness allows us to go beyond our umwelt and access more data via our subconscious. That's something that I'd love to see proven true because if it really allowed you to take in additional data, I'm going to start doing drugs tomorrow. <laughs> I actually wrote this in my notes. Hashtag joke, no joke. Uh, so yeah, it's since reading this book, I've become absolutely obsessed. Everybody that I meet, especially from Silicon Valley, um, I'm asking like if they microdose. You'd be surprised, man. The answer is yes, a lot. I was... Uh, I was not prepared for that, uh, but really, really interesting. And maybe one day I'll stop being a chicken and actually give it a shot. All right. So another thing they talk about in the book is to really tap into creativity. You have to be able to hold two competing ideas in your head. This is something I think about all the time. And I was really surprised to find it in the book. And they said, it's the friction between these ideas that creates the creative insight. So to truly tap into creativity, you have to get beyond your single-minded point of view. And this is something that um, I think both Stephen and Jamie um, would say is very, very important because to to um, do that in some ways, I won't uh, speaking for myself, I won't say that it's the only way, but ecstasis facilitates that much easier. I've heard them talk really, really eloquently about this and this concept of being able to take a step up and go to a higher level to get a new perspective. It's what um, I've heard Jamie Wheel refer to as the cosmological perspective that, you know, for um, us to get beyond ourselves, we have to think about us versus them. And for us to transcend, um, you know, us, we have to go to like the state level. And then we have a, a we at the state level, but then we, you know, get back into our state versus their state. So to to really transcend that and see things at a global level and get beyond left and right and get beyond global politics, we have to take this cosmological perspective. And their take on that is that ecstasis is going to be one of the things. Remember, ecstasis is defined as stepping beyond yourself literally. Um, and you can get to that three ways. Just to recap from the book um, is um, flow, meditation, and mystical states, and um, psychedelics. And that really it becomes like a healing property and oh God, that makes it sound super woo woo. And the book is not like that at all. But that, that was one of the more interesting takeaways. And I'm not a woo woo guy. Uh, so when they were talking about that, I found that really, really fascinating just to ask like that. No BS level. Is that really something that could help? Like, would the world be a better place if everyone were meditating? Would the world be a better place if people weren't as chicken as me and were low dose, <laughs> low dosing the, uh, or micro dosing the, uh, psychedelics. So anyway, they, they don't preach in the book, but it, it asks some pretty fascinating questions, things that I was not considering, uh, before I read the book. All right. Now we're at the, uh, the monk thing. All right. So monks who've been meditating for roughly 30 years are able to generate gamma waves in their mind. Now this, this, my friends is interesting. If this is true, monks who've been meditating for around 30 years, that's a long time to do anything, I will be the first to admit, uh, but they're able to get the get their brain into a gamma wave state. So when I do it, um, at least from my understanding, I have not been in an fMRI, but I'll just say anecdotally, the way that it feels sounds more like an alpha wave state, which is a much more creative state, but isn't quite that eureka moment, that aha moment, which is what uh, people call the gamma wave state. So, um, and this is associated with what they call binding, where ideas come together. Um, um, and man, like that to me is really interesting. And, and if you can get to that moment, that place through a non-ordinary state of consciousness generated from getting really, really, really 
good at meditating. When it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash impact. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with ebay motors brake kits led headlights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Um, that's incredible. And what they looked at was that you can actually recreate some of this through transmagnetic, excuse me, transcranial magnetic stimulation, um, known as TMS. Uh, and what they did was, um, 
they tested people doing this. Uh, it's called like the nine dot test, I think. It's this test where they make literally connect the dots. It's like you have to connect a certain number of dots without lifting your pencil. And um, most people can't do it. But they found that through transcranial magnetic stimulation, people could make eight times, they were eight times more effective at solving this creativity puzzle. And what they were doing was they were knocking out knocking out the prefrontal cortex. So the part that handles higher level cognition is actually choking creativity, making it harder for people to solve those problems. So the to get people to be more creative to solve it, to get them into essentially a flow state, they actually have to knock out the prefrontal cortex. I found that interesting. Um, and that's been something that's floating around about transcranial magnetic stimulation for a long time. That is, and uh, the same has been found for the ability to draw. And then it's actually turning parts of the brain off, not on. That's super, super interesting to me. Um, they give several other examples in the book about um, ecstasis, including additional creativity and problem solving and more rapid learning, which I found really, really interesting. Um, and the examples that they give come from meditation, induced flow, and um, microdosing. So um, while I think personally I found the most intriguing and certainly tantalizing parts of the book to be about the psychedelic experience. I would say that's really less than a third of the book. Um, and, and they spend, you know, the rest of the time just in the science of it and, and how, you know, people go through essentially different doors. So whether you're going through the door of a psychedelic or you're going through the door of meditation or even near death experience with it, which they talk about, talk about in the book. Um, it's, uh, you're getting to the same place. So found that very interesting. All right, they said uh, meditation, surfing, and psychedelics such as MDMA, or I guess MDMA is not necessarily a psychedelic, I actually don't know, um, but drugs such as MDMA have all proven clinically viable for treating depression, anxiety, and PTSD, uh, which I found super interesting. And um, basically that, that goes back to that door notion that you're, all of those things are leading to a non-ordinary state of consciousness. Um, but the fact that MDMA um, has been shown to be so effective in PTSD, uh, they've had people make long-lasting changes with um, MDMA, a single dose of MDMA and talk therapy, which um, is just really, really intriguing and just tells me that we don't know um, everything about the brain. I mean, that's, I think, patently obvious, but just how much we don't know um, about the brain is pretty interesting. Um, and then here, here was a really interesting thing about therapy and AI. Uh, so people are more than twice as likely to disclose things to this AI therapist named Ellie than they are to a real therapist. Um, and they, the, the hypothesis goes like this, the Ellie is, um, isn't judgmental basically. And so people are, are way more willing to open up to her. And then the second part of the hypothesis is that the reason that Ellie is able to, um, effectively connect with people, if that's the right word, is because she's taking in not just what you say, but your physical behavior as well. So she's programmed to read, let's see, yeah, 60 points of data at all times, including how willing you are to share personal information. I think that's crazy that AI is able to read that already. That's really, really interesting. Um, so taking in these 60 points of data um, to the authors is basically correlated to that notion of the... Um, the subconscious being vaster and faster and that it in some ways mimics our ability because it's not a real person because people know it's AI it like mimics our own ability through ecstasis to step outside of ourselves and see ourselves without judgment uh, I think that's super super interesting so and uh, their hypothesis basically because the ego is shut down because that voice the heckler as I called it the um, inner Woody Allen uh, is shut down that 
that's how people are able to have these breakthroughs because they're not judging themselves as they're processing through it and saying that basically this AI therapist is able to have a very similar effect on people because it mimics that, um, that powerful effect of ecstasis. So I, I include that one um, to show you like how many interesting places this book goes. This book is full of a lot of surprises. As always, I'm not able to cover um, everything. Oh man, there's just so many cool things. And, and literally as I'm scrolling through my notes, there's like stuff that I'm skipping. It's super interesting though, uh, well worth read. All right, to keep going, the book goes deep into the science um, and they talk about reading biometrics. Um, the military is doing a lot of this and through biometrics, they're able to predict with a high degree of accuracy, accuracy, what groups of people are going to be able to drop into states of group flow months later and who is not. And basically they're saying, if I remember right, they're actually talking about precognition at this point in the book, um, as it related to the movie Minority Report and saying basically Minority Report predicted all of this technology and I forget what year the movie is set in. But one of the predictions that they actually under-projected is precognition because precognition is actually here because biometrics allows people so accurately to predict how people will do um, at the end of training. So at the beginning of training, you could basically look at people's biometrics and know who's going to do well and who's not. That's crazy. A little scary. Kind of amazing. Um, there was another researcher named Newberg. Um, I would spell it for you, but I listened to these books, so even I don't know how to spell it. I'm guessing N-E-W-B-E-R-G. Um, used SPECT imaging to look at, okay, this is the Franciscan nuns thing. This freaked me out. So look at Franciscan nuns and Tibetan Buddhists, that was the other thing, to study their minds during prayer, meditation, and moments where they reported a sense of oneness with God. And what they found was that there was significant deactivation in the right parietal lobe, okay? Now, why is that interesting? Because that's the region of the brain that's responsible for navigating, okay? How weird is that? The reason that researchers believe this plays a role in freeing you um, or, or making you feel at one is because the our ability to navigate is really predicated on our ability to know where our body ends and then the next thing begins. And that's why it gives this heightened sense of being one with things. Because, because literally, oh God, this is so interesting to me. Because you're no longer able to define where your body ends and the next thing begins, because that part of your brain is literally shutting down, just through that, you sort of, oh, if you'll let me, you forget, you literally forget because you don't have the incoming stimulus. You forget that you are separate. Simply by forgetting your physical separateness, you're able to, and maybe it's a grander truth, or maybe it's just a more interesting lie, but you're able to see yourself as connected to everything else. I Literally, that was one of those parts of the book that gave me chills, and I, yeah, I took like scary, extensive notes on this part. And uh, something that I've, this tied to me uh, with the work that V.S. Ramachandran has done, and he said, the only thing that stops you from actually feeling somebody else's pain. So if I go and I pinch someone, you look at that and you think, ooh, God, that would hurt. The only thing that actually stops you from thinking, from actually feeling that pain is you get a null signal from your own skin saying, empathize by all means, but that wasn't actually you. If you don't get that null signal and there, there are people that have damage to the brain and so they're not getting the input and so you actually can make them 
actually experience the pain of another person because they don't get that null signal from their own body. And so that sense of the sense of self deteriorating because the part of your brain responsible for navigation and where you stop and the next thing begins shuts down, you no longer get that null signal and you actually feel at one with other people. Dude, that, oh, that really goes to show like your world is constructed. Your world is constructed and it is constructed by your brain. And the second that those constructs begin to fall apart, you, you perceive the world totally differently. So, oh God, I could go off on this forever. Read the book. They go into such amazing detail on this. You guys are going to love it. I'm going to skip past some really cool stuff. Oh uh, God, you guys are going to want to, you guys read the book. Uh, super interesting. All right. So I'll skip fast forward, ton of interesting stuff. And then uh, we'll get to this last bit. Don't become a bliss junkie. And if I remember right, the chapter of the book, because, and I asked Jamie this when, when he came on the show, why don't people do drugs all the time, right? Is that not the obvious question? Like, why don't people do drugs all the time? And if they help you get into a non-ordinary state of consciousness, if they create the state of flow and they shut down your inner critic and it's all amazing, like, why, why? Even Jamie is going to tell you, and, and I think he thinks that it's pretty powerful, um, the, the possibilities of, um, like, go back to the example of, of MDMA for treating PTSD. Like, it's super powerful, and, and he's spoken very eloquently about that. But he's going to say, in fact, you know, this is what the authors say, don't become a bliss junkie. Um, and so here's their logic for why you have to be super careful. With flow, and not just talking about psychedelics, by the way, with even flow. So here's um, what I wrote. Flow is like being a colander. This is their example. All right, flow is like being uh, a colander. If the rush of water is strong enough for a moment, you will experience what it's like to be a cup, whole and full to the brim. But if the flow of water stops, the water will leak out. The sense of flow that just moments before made everything feel so effortless is gone. At that moment, you have a choice to make. Do the hard work of plugging your holes or chase the next thing that drops you into flow. I just got the chills rereading that. And that, I mean, that is almost a, a direct quote from the book. And the, the reason that um, this becomes dangerous is, so take it away from drugs for a second. And just think about something that people would consider maybe less controversial, extreme sports. I'm not sure how much less controversial, but certainly um, it's, on ESPN and taking psychedelics is not. Uh, so we'll call it less controversial for now. When people are constantly chasing that flow, that's how they get killed. And they give some amazing and heartbreaking stories in the book about people that, um, that they, they felt so alive that they couldn't see themselves giving up like those, the people that do the wingsuits where you're flying. I mean, there's no better word for it. You are flying without a parachute um, and how routinely they die and that they're chasing flow. Like that feeling is just so magnificent for them that they cannot stop themselves. All right. And that, um, that was the end. So I'll just put that down that that in essence answered my question. And the, the book really takes a phenomenally objective view of everything. You read the whole book, you get a sense of the dynamics of flow, the power of meditation, the potential for psychedelics, but all with a really objective, 
even-handed retelling, but man, everything. So first of all, Stephen Kotler's other books are, are universally amazing. And then this book is, is no exception. So it's just well-written. I think this is Jamie's first book, I'm almost certain. Um, and, but knowing Jamie, he's an intellectual powerhouse as is Steven. You bring these two together and it's just, the the book was incredible and I was excited to read the book, but I was blown away. It really went farther than I thought it would to helping me understand, um, to know what to research next. Like I, there's one company they mentioned in the book, I'm, I'm forgetting the exact name now, but they're doing some really interesting stuff with um, biofeedback and um, scans and, um, uh, Oh God, those chambers that you go in, uh, sensory deprivation chambers, like just some really, really interesting stuff and the way that they're able to accelerate learning. Uh, just the book goes into so many directions, um, all the while feeling like one coherent um, narrative of just driving forward to explain the the genome of flow. That's, it, that's not quite the right way to say it because it, it limits it to flow, but this really was born out of um, the two, the, the co-authors um, have the Flow Genome Project, and this book is, it feels like the result of a very large amount of research into how we get into these optimal states of consciousness where we feel our best and perform our best, and whatever words you wanna put around that, I feel like they have, um, They've really captured it in in a in a beautiful way. Read the book, guys. Um, this is one I definitely recommend it. If you have interest in these areas, check it out. I don't. Uh, you just you won't be disappointed. It's really great. So, guys, thank you so much for joining me for this exploration, this um, thrilling ride through Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel. Uh, you're gonna love it. Dive in if you haven't already. Be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be light and sherry. Take care. Peace out. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.